You're listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income, currency, and commodity markets today. I'm Srini Ramaswamy, co-head of US Rate Strategy. And today I'm joined by my colleague and senior derivative strategist, Epek Ozil, to discuss recent developments in the US interest rate derivatives markets, as well as our views going forward. We are recording this on Monday, 22nd, January, 2024. And our comments today are based on our recently released weekly publication covering the interest rate derivatives markets, which is available to institutional clients of JP Morgan on our website, JP Morgan Markets. So Epek, what's on your mind? Well, Trini, a lot of things actually, but if I had to pick one, I would actually go with the weather, specifically how prolonged this polar vortex has been. And I have to say, I am quite ready for spring, even though we're still only at the beginning of January. But of course, weather aside, duration extension is not just a polar vortex thing. It's also impacting the bond futures contract yet again. And in the markets, the bond base is probably top of mind for me, as it is for many of our clients. That's right. Probably the most important thing to talk about this week. Uh, so, Epec, why don't you walk us through what's been happening with the bond basis recently? Uh, sure thing. So I'll begin with the so-called cheapest deliver or the CTD into the March bond futures contract. So at the moment, the CTD is the 4.5% Augie 39 bond. And so far, there have been no changes in the CTD. But the long end of the curve has been steepening and rates are again somewhat higher, which is raising the probability of CTD shifts and bringing back memories of late last year when we went through a similar period. But I also don't want to overplay this, right? It's important to remember that there are several bonds which are nearly equally cheap, meaning that there are several bonds which are at the moment not CTD, but close enough to being CTD. So this includes, for example, um, the four and three quarters Fed 41, which is a year and a half longer in maturity. Should the CTD switch to one of these bonds, the impact on futures pricing is not likely to be material. But that being said, there could be more material CTD shifts. And especially if the back end of the curve keeps steepening, that would cause the basis of the Augie 39s to widen significantly if and when such a CTD shift occurs and futures would then lengthen in duration. So um, what does all this mean for investors who may be long uh, or, or short, I guess, the March uh, bond futures contract? Uh, is this risk priced into the contract? How do you think about that? Let me take the risk part first. So roughly speaking, yes. So we see the March bond CTV basis at approximately four to four and a half ticks. This is a touch wider than our model estimates of the fair value of the option but this is probably just markets pricing in a greater risk of a prolonged curve steepening, which could trigger CTD shifts and basis widening. And what this means for a client who is long the March bond contract, for example, as a synthetic substitute for BPV equivalent position in cash treasuries. Well, what this means is this investor is basically short the CTD basis. So the question becomes, what sort of a hedge can you construct that mimics a long basis position that you can add to hedge this risk. Turns out you can mimic the basis by approximately, um, sorry, by buying March bond contract puts with a strike price of 118. 
So investors who are employing synthetic asset strategies involving the March bond futures contract can consider such a put option hedge to protect against CTD duration extension. And lastly, Shrini, it's worth pointing out to our clients that we have discussed the treasury futures and the CTDs and the basis in depth in an earlier podcast on October 2nd last year. So clients who wish to learn more about these topics may want to also listen to that podcast. With that said, should we turn our attention to swap spreads? Shrini, do you want to take us through what's happening in the swap spreads world? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we think uh, swap spreads are likely to widen uh, going forward, uh, especially in intermediate maturities, like the five-year sector, for instance, uh, for really a number of reasons, uh, a lot of which are lining up in favor of this view. Um, first, I guess the on a seasonal front, we are just moving past the period where financial uh, debt issuance tends to be the heaviest. Uh, and this is, of course, important because you know, these issuers of debt tend to usually swap that fixed rate debt to floating, which creates some receiving pressure and narrowing pressure on swap spreads. But that is mostly behind us at this point. Uh, so the seasonals are, call it, um, you know, a bit favorable. But there's certainly more uh, on the Fed balance sheet front. Um, it now appears uh, pretty likely that QT will be tapered down with an eventual halt to QT uh, later this year. That means beginning sometime later this year, the Fed could be reinvesting maturing treasuries, uh, which of course means there is that much less treasuries that the private markets will need to absorb. This is a direct help for swap spreads, but it also matters in an indirect, uh, call it sentiment uh, way. Uh, and that's because balance sheet policy will become a little bit less of a headwind for other investors, such as banks, who might be interested in asset swapping treasuries. Banks, for instance, could be uh, somewhat more inclined to add treasuries on asset swap, especially now that SOFR has been climbing within sort of the target band for short rates, and SOFR is now a lot closer to uh, to IOER or the interest rate on, on reserves. Uh, this, of course, matters for banks whose, uh, you know, sort of uh, marginal attractiveness is measured relative to uh, IOER. Uh, so long story short, even though spreads, uh, you know, have already widened, uh, you know, relative to fair value, we think there's really a lot more room to go, uh, both on our own valuations framework, as well as all of these other factors that we described. So, uh, you know, so we do think swaps are likely to uh, widen in intermediate maturities going forward. That's right. Spreads have been pretty interesting lately. Um, so, Shrini, should we move on to our thoughts on the swap yield curve? Uh, yeah. Um, so here it helped. I think it helps a little to start with some of the messaging from Fed speakers. Uh, so, long story short, it's uh, although we think it's pretty highly likely that the next move from the Fed will eventually be an ease. Um, that's not until some time. That's probably, you know, call it somewhere near mid-year. Our, our own call is for, for sometime in June. Um, but until then, I think um, Fed, the, the, Fed, the Fed is likely to be patient and not in a sort of a rush to ease. Fed speak continues to be uh, consistent with this view and they continue to signal patience and, you know, basically push back against expectations of premature easing. Uh, given that a lot of easing is already priced into the fronts, this basically means we like roll-up trades. In other words, um, you know, Fed funds forwards are unlikely to be realized, and instead, as time passes, 
these forwards will effectively roll up to higher spot funds rates, which is another way of saying we like carry trades on the curve. Uh, of course, one has to be careful. Uh, outright carry trades such as either shorts at the front end or curve flatteners, uh, yes, they do have nice carry, but they also come with considerable macro and curve risk. Uh, so a lot of our themes on the curve has really been how can you preserve the carry that you like uh, while hedging the macro and the curve risk um, that are uh, impediments to, to isolating the carry. Uh, and that's basically a lot of uh, what our themes on the curve is centered around. And listeners uh, who are interested can find a more detailed discussion in our weekly publication that we referenced earlier. Epec, um, maybe we shift gears here and uh, discuss our thoughts on options and volatility. Sure thing. Um, so we've had a long volatile goodbyes for a few weeks now, and walls haven't been bouncing higher like we had expected. But despite this, like our analysis continues to point the same way. On the policy standpoint, markets will continue to calibrate the timing and magnitude of Fed easing, as well as QT taper, which is now in question, which means policy uncertainty should remain significant going forward for the foreseeable future. In fact, we can see that market depth has fallen, which is consistent with rising policy uncertainty, and which means volatility should also be pressured higher. But what has been happening lately? So even though all of the drivers or most of the drivers of volatility are all suggesting that implied volatility in the swaptions market should have risen, they have actually gone the other way. And such technical moves can and do certainly happen. We've seen this in the past but we think the fundamentals will reassert themselves and push implied volatility higher. So that is what we continue to look for in the swap trends market. Okay, um, before we bring this uh, to a close, I do want to ask you about banks. Many banks have reported earnings in the last week um, and perhaps you can speak to, you know, a couple of important takeaways that are pertinent to the rates markets. Yes, of course. Um, so we watch the, aggregate performance of the four largest domestic banks, as well as next 10, to draw inferences regarding how they may behave going forward and what they may mean for our markets. So the four largest banks, as well as several in the next 10, have reported their fourth, fourth quarter 2023 earnings last week and onwards. So one of the important takeaways is that the aggregate AOCI, which is the accumulated other comprehensive income, aggregate AOCI gains have been significant and in excess of our expectations, which tells us that we had likely overestimated the degree to which banks may have de-risked their securities portfolios and the actual AOCI gains have thus outperformed our prior expectations. This is a positive for bank demand and bank demand for securities going forward, especially on an asset swap basis. On the margin, the strengthening in AOCI gains, as well as the fact that the rate cycle and balance sheet policy may likely be turning this year, it just means that banks will likely be more willing to add treasuries on an asset swap basis, which is, of course, is one of the reasons for our swap spread widened view that you discussed earlier, Shrini. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Epic. That's probably enough for today. To all our listeners, hopefully we've given you enough to think about this week and we wish you all a very enjoyable uh, week ahead. 
Stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the JP Morgan research reports related to its contents for more information including important disclosures. Copyright 2024, JP Morgan Chase and Company. All rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 22nd, 2024.